good morning of worship, isn't it? An opportunity to sing to our Lord and Savior, to be with family and friends. Uh, if you're visiting, welcome to True North. We have one major purpose in mind when we come here on Sunday mornings, and that's to love God, period. Not the, uh, not the pastors, not the worship team, not uh, the bulletins. We used to say not the coffee, but we stopped that because the coffee wasn't good to love. So uh, but we come here to love on God and worship together as family and friends. So we're glad you're here. I do want to mention a few prayer requests. If you could, maybe jot these down. Remember to pray for them. I know Rhonda sends out the prayer emails, been doing a fantastic job. If you're not getting those, you need to let her know um, so you can keep up on what's going on. Um, you know, congratulations, uh, Noah, yesterday in track and field. A nice job, second place at state. And, and I know there's a lot of athletes around here. And, um, A lot of uh, students and athletes have completed this year in athletics, uh, and, and I know the track team. Uh, Mason, I don't know how fast you were running at the end of the season, but boy, you guys were just doing an awesome job as well. Um, I'm thinking academics, all the kids, if you ever check out uh, the students on the honor roll from not just Wauseon, but the local area schools in Delta and Pettisville and Archibald and Fayette, you just sort of look around and just see how these kids are excelling uh, in school. We have so much to be thankful for. God's really blessed our kids academically, athletically, and it's not just there. Some of these kids you don't know about, they're doing things outside of school, at home, maybe on a part-time job, doing things that go unnoticed. We're very blessed. And uh, so continue to pray for our youth, our children, as they head into the summer now. And we're so thankful Landon's coming on as our youth pastor uh, to work with these students as well. Uh, continue to pray for Pastor Dan and Stacy and their children as they uh, make the move tomorrow to uh, Upper Michigan. And uh, it's about six hours away, right, Stacy? Uh, six hours, five, five-ish. Depends who's driving, you or Dan, something like that, okay. Um, and so continue to pray for them as they start a new ministry. Uh, for the many who are hurting, who have gone through surgery this past week, who've got good news and bad news, there's a lot to uh, be praying for. Uh, there was a celebration last night with a wedding uh, with uh, Bill and Krista Schindel, or it used to be Krista Rowe, but now it's Schindel. And uh, they got married last night, and the previous week, the whole Huner Trejo clan, I mean, you guys were gone off on another wedding. So there's so much to celebrate, so much going on. So if you ever wake up in the morning and think, what should I pray for today? I'm telling you, there's a list. There is a list. Uh, I want to thank you for continuing to pray for my father. Uh, he's doing well. Uh, I'll just say this, I called the other day, uh, Friday was my mom and dad's 64th wedding anniversary, called to see how they were doing, and, and mom was like, great, we were going to go to uh, Texas Roadhouse, because dad wants a steak, he hasn't had one since his surgery, but they don't open until four, and you know, older people eat early, so, <laughs> Cracker Barrel it was, so, <laughs> so they had Cracker Barrel instead, and and then um, my nephew's getting uh, married in a couple weeks, and so they went dress, uh, shop shopping for a dress for my mom, and dad sat in the car for an hour, so <laughs> it's all good. Uh, they're eating steak and sitting in the car while mom shops, so life is good again. So uh, thank you for praying for them. Um, a lot of people often ask, how's your dad doing? How's your dad doing? So I wanted to make sure I pause and let you know uh, he's doing well, and thank you for your prayers. Uh, with that being said, uh, I have two things I really want to hopefully pray that we accomplish today. Uh, under the term of loving on God. 
Uh, and, and the first thing is this, I just want to talk about uh, the overflow campaign. We started on a journey last fall. We were intentionally pursuing uh, God's direction for our church in regards to a new building. Do we purchase a building? Do we purchase a building and renovate it and move in? Do we buy a land and build a building? What, what do we do? Uh, our building committee spent over a year searching, investigating, and presenting, and uh, they did a fantastic job. But what we discovered was is that we were not going to make a purchase, but that we would continue the journey by securing the funds that will enable us to then make a purchase when the time is right, according to God. And so that's where we, where we are. And so thus the beginning, at that point in time, of our overflow campaign. And overall, I want to say this. It was a very positive experience, I believe, for our church um, to become focused on what it means to sacrificially and biblically give. Um, and here's what we learned. So let me help you out on this. We're going to throw a slide with some scripture up, and I'll point out four scripture verses to help us as we move through this. And, and that is this. Here's the first thing that we learned. If God has our hearts, he will also have our money. Okay? If God doesn't have our money, then that means he probably doesn't have our hearts fully. Uh, that was one of the first things we learned. When, when Jesus taught about money and possessions, he said this, Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. And he linked those two together. And you have to understand, when Jesus talked about giving uh, in the Bible, he talked about it a lot. A lot. You know, a lot of times in church we always get nervous about, we got to talk about giving. Jesus talked about more than giving than anything else. But yet we are very apologetic in talking about giving from the pulpit. Okay? So, we've learned from God's word to be generous with what we've been given. So the first scripture uh, that is up there is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And this is what that says. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly and don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. First thing we learned, one of the things we learned, I'll say the first, one of the things we learned about giving is that God commands it. God says, oh, you need to give. But don't give reluctantly like with, a, with like, oh, I, I really don't want to give or, or, man, I really feel pressured to give. If I don't give, I'm probably going to get kicked out of church and God will stop loving me. And that's, that's really out of balance thinking. And Paul says here, no, no, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We need to give, but let's make sure it's the attitude of giving is correct. Don't be stingy and don't give out of guilt. Your attitude and giving is just as important. Next scripture up there, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, says this. Don't store up treasures here on heaven or here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures instead in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Again, this was Jesus teaching. Another location from the first uh, scripture that I gave you to this one is the second time that Jesus is talking about giving. And he says this, we're not citizens of this world. We might live here. This isn't our home. You know, uh, Tuesday, I think it was, I can't remember what night it was now, we were at a ball game at the Cleveland Indians. Um, celebrating Colin's birthday, and one of the, you know, when the ball players walk up to the plate, they have this music, 
They, you know, it's their, it's their walk-up music, okay? And a lot of times you're thinking, whoa, what is that song, okay? Um, one of the players for the Cleveland Indians uh, walked up, and I, and I can't remember the name of the song. My boys are going to help me out here in a second. Um, but the song goes, this is not my home. Uh, boys, help me out. Clay, they're looking at you. <laughs> you know the name of the song? Where I Belong. This is not, it's, uh, and I can't even think how it goes through, but the whole point is, this is not my home. And he's talking about Jesus, you know, and he's saying that that's where I belong. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, and I mean, it was as clear as can be in this stadium, thousands of people. And, you know, the name of Jesus came screaming out and basically saying, this isn't my home. It's not where I belong. And um, I just sat there and thought, oh, man, all glory to God. That is awesome. It, scripture tells us we are not citizens of this world, but of the next, of God's kingdom. So our investments in this world really need to reflect a desire to invest in God's eternal kingdom. So when we give, we give cheerfully with the right attitude, and we give not as an investment to this world, but into the next kingdom, God's kingdom. Another thing we learned about giving is that it's an act of worship. Philippians 4, verses 15 to 18 says this. This is Paul talking. He said, as you know... You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and traveled from Macedonia. No other church did this. Can you imagine this? If, if you're in the church of Philippi and you're getting this letter from Paul and he says, thank you so much for being generous with me. You're the only church that supported me. And I've been to a lot of churches. And he went on to say this, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me. Now listen to what he says next. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. Did you hear that? When the church gave money to Paul, to do ministry, Paul said, that's not just support money. He said, that's a sweet-smelling sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's called worship. When you walk in here to sing, that is worship. When you walk in here to pray, that is worship. When you walk in here to listen to God's Word, that is worship. When you walk to the blessings box and you put money and tithe in there, that is worship. It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. Giving is commanded by God. Our attitudes matter. Giving is an investment, not in this kingdom, but in God's kingdom. Giving is worship. And giving reflects our trust in God was another thing we learned. Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44 says this. Now listen, I love this story. We talked about this story before. You'll think, oh yeah, I remember when Rex preached on that. Now listen very carefully. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Now, think this through. Jesus is with his disciples. They're heading into town. He goes into the uh, temple, and uh, there's the old temple, you know, and there's, there's the collection box. Yep. And we've got the blessings box here. 
as Jesus, let me read this again, as Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the people come in and put their money in the box. Now you tell me, how intimidating is it when Jesus is sitting next to the temple box and you come walking in with your wallet? Oh, hey, Jesus. Yeah, I better get You're watching. I see that. I wasn't going to do that, and he shows up. Okay. I love that scripture. When you read that and you think about that, that had to be a little bit intimidating, right? Okay. It says, many rich people put in large amounts. Well, they should have. They're intimidated, right? Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. That poor widow has given more than, let me hear you say more than, He's given more than all the others who are making contributions. Do you think the disciples at that point in time are going, huh? Two coins, all these rich people putting in money, and you're saying she gave more than? Jesus, your math is off. Go back to algebra. Check it out. More than, less than signs. You've got them backwards, right? Uh-uh. Jesus said, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Well, see, all these rich people came in and they gave, but you know what? They had so much more. Compared to what they gave was a very small percentage of what they had. She had this much and she gave all of it. Giving reflects our trust in God. You know why that will gave that all? One, it was an act of worship. One, she loved doing it, right? And then the other thing was, she trusted God to take care of her. I don't know how I'm going to eat today, but God gave me this, and I'm giving it back to him because I know he'll take care of me. Giving reflects our trust in God. Now, there's other biblical things we learned about giving and about faith, but it's important for us to know that giving is a discipline of every follower of Jesus Christ. So if you're in here today, okay, and I said, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've placed your faith in him, you've surrendered your life to him, you know, shoot up your hands, stand up, give a woohoo. Okay, if we had you do that, then I'd say, awesome. Now guess what? One of your disciplines, one of my disciplines is that we give. That's what we do. That sets us apart from the rest of the world. It really does. The world says, take, get what you can, Hoard it, right? Keep it, keep it, keep it, save it. You know, you never know when. That's, that's the world. What, what, is, what does God say? Give. Love. Share. That's God's kingdom. That's the kingdom we belong to. And giving shows we're a part of God's kingdom, not this worldly kingdom. And we're different in Jesus Christ. Amen? Whenever you sit there and you start thinking, well, I used to be, I used to be. Okay, stop right there. That's a lie from the devil. You are new in Christ. When you are new in Christ, I understand your past is your past, but guess what? That's past. God gives you his Holy Spirit so you can live a new life. And in that new life, this is how we live. We're different. We are now generous. We are not greedy. We are giving. We are not stingy. We see the value in investing in eternal things. Not that what's going to rust and fade away. As a result, uh, I'm going to have Greg come up here. As a result of our focus on biblical giving and sacrificial living, which we've, you know, I'm 
sum this all up in a nutshell, okay? As a result of all of that, we're thankful today to give you, the church, an update on where we are with Overflow. And so Greg, who's part of the campaign, is going to quickly share with us what's going on. All right, we'll see if I'm on here. So last August, we started the Overflow campaign, as Rex talked about. Uh, a lot of us in this room sacrificed and worked and, and uh, you know, did mailings, made newsletters, put together banquets, uh, sacrificed, served. We had prayer breakfasts. We had a lot of activity. And as a result, uh, over $550,000 was pledged to the future plans of this church, whether it be a particular building or one that was yet to be known. And that was uh, quite a feat. Um, even uh, Tom Murphy had said so. As uh, our campaign consultant, he, he, he'd been through over 100 of these and said, you know, that's, that's really amazing for a church our size and our budget to be anywhere near that amount. So what I'm here to tell you today is uh, <clears throat> that since then, a lot of us have been sacrificing week by week, month by month, and uh, making decisions. And you know, for some people, it's been grinding it out. Other people have seen God work in their lives, seen, uh, um, seen either a raise or a new job that took care of their commitment. And you know, we, we've heard stories of this. Other people said, I've got this money sitting around, wrote a check, and it was done. But what I'm here, today, here to tell you today is that uh, over this past six months, we have earned now $100,000 and saved $100,000 toward the future of our church. So as a celebration, um, we have a lot to celebrate today. We, we, we're celebrating Dan and Stacy and their ministry here. And we'd also like to celebrate raising $100,000. So on your way out, uh, there will be a candy bar for each person. Even if you're a visitor, even if you didn't fill out a card, it's okay. Um, there are 100 grand bars <laughs> for every person that's here today. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Greg. Every now and then, we, we're just going to stop and say, thank you, God, right? Big yay God to him, and that's what the point was. Today, you say, wow, 100 grand? Are you serious? We've reached that already? Great. So instead of spending it on all of you, we just got candy bars, okay? So I hope you like that, 100 grand candy bars. It is sweet because God is sweeter than anything and, and helping us do what we're doing. So we want to give him a big shot of, of praise. And, uh, and so then I want to add to this and saying this, I want to encourage you, keep it up. Keep it up. You know, we thank God for your generosity. Let's continue. Let's continue. Linda Coleman wrote an article uh, called Our Consuming Interest, and she put this into U.S. News and World Report. She said this, We're a nation that believes in having it all. In 1950, American families owned one car and saved for a second. In 2000, nearly one in five families owned three cars or more. Americans shell out, listen, Americans shell out more money for garbage bags than 90 of the world's 210 countries spend for everything. Wow. 
We spend a lot of money on garbage bags. Indeed, America has double the number of shopping malls as it does high schools, written by, again, Linda Coleman. Now, here's what I get from that is American has an obsession with stuff, right? No doubt about it. We have an obsession with stuff. Uh, the more we have, the more we believe we're successful. We've come to believe that if I've got a lot of money or I've got a position, I've got uh, the, this pay scale that's large, I'm successful. And greed becomes an ugly word. So sometimes we disguise it or we justify it with saying, well, I'm doing this for my family. Jesus warns us in Luke 12, 15, be on your guard against every form of greed. Look out for it. Look out for it. I heard this story about a businessman who would go every day as he'd walk through the city and stop at this popcorn vendor. He stopped one day, arrived to find that the peddler that sold popcorn was closing up his little vending machine and was heading out. And he said, is something wrong? He said, no, by no means at all. All is well. Well, then why are you closing your popcorn stand? Well, so I can go home sit on the porch with my wife and sip tea. Okay, but the day is still young. You can still sell popcorn. And the gentleman said, there's no need to. I've made enough money for today. The businessman continued on, enough? That, that's crazy, you should keep working, keep working. The old man stopped and stared at this, this businessman and said, why should I keep working? To sell more popcorn. Why should I sell more popcorn? And the businessman sort of threw back his shoulder and said, because the more popcorn you sell, the more money you make. The more money you make, the richer you are. The richer you are, the more popcorn stands you can buy. The more popcorn stands you buy, the more peddlers you can produce, and the richer you become. And when you have enough, then you can stop working, take your, go home, sip your tea, and sit with your wife. The popcorn man just smiled and said, I can do that today. I guess I have enough. I love that. Seeing one man's mind, it's like I got to do, 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 do this. And the man said, I'm already there. I have enough to do what I really want to do today. Go home, sit with my wife, and sip tea. I have enough. Let me hear you all say, I have enough. I have enough. Isn't that so true? It's a rare phrase that we use today as it seems uh, we always want more, more. Can you biggie size that? You know, that's, I need the large screen. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I always love the bigger thing, right? And sometimes we forget to say, you know, I, I guess I have enough. I'm okay with this. Do you have enough? Yes. I want to hear you say it one more time, I have enough. One, two, three. Now let me tell you why you can say that. There's a verse in the Bible. Why don't you turn there with me to the book of John. Open up the book of John. This isn't on the screen, Dan. This is a, this is a freebie. John. Let's go to chapter 3. If you don't have this verse highlighted, if you don't have this verse memorized, I'm going to encourage you strongly to do so. See, if I just told you the verse, you wouldn't turn there. You're all there now? John 3, 16. Fill in the blank for me. For God so what? Loved. That he what? Gave. Hold back up. You just told me three words earlier. I have 
enough. You want to know why you have enough? Because God loves you, and he's given everything to you that you need. That's why we can say, I have enough, because of God's love and God's generosity. The next screen, there's going to be four scriptures that are going to come up, and I, I believe it's right and safe in saying this, that God has enough. Wouldn't you agree? Anybody can, can anybody think of something that God doesn't have that he needs? God's got enough, right? Matter of fact, because God is love, he gives all that, and he doesn't just love and give, he lavishes us with love. I love that. 1 John 3, 1 says that God lavishes his love upon us. In James 1, 5, it says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous, let me hear you say generous, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Romans 2, 4 says that God is rich, let me hear you say rich, God is rich in kindness and patience and tolerance. 1 Timothy 1.14 says, Oh, how generous and gracious. Let me hear you say generous and gracious. Mm, you're describing God. How generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me. Let me hear you say, I'm full. Oh, give me a Taco Bell, I'm full. One, two, three. I'm full. Yeah. We are filled with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. I have enough. You know why? Because God is love, and he gives, and we're all in there. So God shows us his generous generosity through the Bible. I want you to think about this. How does the story of the prodigal son end? With a what? A big banquet, right? How does the story of Jesus and the wedding end? With what? Jars full of wine, right? How does the story of Jesus and Peter and the disciple end when they're in the boats fishing? Boats full of fish, right? Every story that Jesus is in, it always has an incredible full ending. Because God is love. Because God is love. Let me give you one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Why don't you turn there? 2 Corinthians. You're in John, just keep going to the back. John, you got Acts, you got Romans, and then you have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We sang a song at the beginning. It's one of my favorite songs. God's Great Dance Floor. And some of you are like, are we allowed to? Play loud music and, okay, the word dance, it's in a song, okay. I'm sorry, I grew up in a Baptist church. I was not allowed to watch the movie Footloose because there was an argument about dancing in that and the Baptist pastor. So, um, so are we, uh, God's great dance floor. Oh, that's even worse, thinking God would dance, right? Let me read something to you here. Second Corinthians 9, 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Let's get a few things straight from this. First of all, God's the one who provides, okay? Well, I had to work hard today so I could provide food for my family. Ooh, back it up, back it up, back it up. Okay, you did work awesome, but who provides, first of all? Let's get that straight. God gave you a job. God gave you skill. God gave you the ability. God gave you employment. So let's thank God for that, that he provided for you so that you could then provide, right? So God's the one who provides. The second thing is when God provides and increases your resources, guess what it produces in you? A harvest of generosity. When we start to understand that God's providing and increasing in our life, guess what that starts to produce inside us? A heart of generosity and a harvest of generosity. God supplies. God provides. Now, I want to share with you what Max Lucado, Pastor Max Lucado, shares about this verse. 
There's a Greek verb used in this verse for the word for provides. And he, is, he says this, it really pulls back the curtain on God's generosity. It combines the word dance with the verb to lead. It literally means to lead a dance. So when God gives, he dances for joy. He strikes up the band and leads the giving parade. He loves to give. So when we sing or when you hear that song, God's great dance floor, you, I want you to think about this. He is a generous God, and he is striking up the band to provide some joy on your face. I've never seen people at a wedding get on the dance floor with frowny faces, Okay. We were at a wedding last night, and the, the bride, you know, she danced with dad, and the groom danced with mom, and then they all danced together, and there were smiles. There's a lot of smiles. And then they did a little train thing. And then Jenny, she was in the front. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll be in trouble later. Um, but there's always joy in that, and there's joy in giving. And this morning, we can joyfully celebrate what God's doing in this church. We can generously give back to God, place funds in an account that invests in His kingdom, and we say, thank you, God. And I say, thank you, church. Keep at it. Keep on it. God bless you for what you're doing in obedience to Him. Thank you. God has generously given to us, and we reflect our God and Savior by giving back. And this morning, like I said, our intent was twofold. We wanted to celebrate the generosity of you as a church, and reflecting the generosity of God. And we want to come here, too, to say thank you for somebody who has generously given of their life for this church and serving. That's Pastor Dan. And when I say Pastor Dan, i got to throw in Stacy with that because behind every good man is an incredible wife and a family. And so, Stacy, thank you for all you've done in supporting Dan. There's probably been multiple nights where he was off with the kids, off doing something, multiple road trips where you were stuck at home with the kids or by yourself. And every woman in here who's had somebody in ministry or somebody's had to work understands what you've gone through. It's not always easy. You've come home to see him come home with frustration on his face, disappointment, and joy, and you have to try to sort that out as you try to share your workload on him too. So I know it's not been easy, but at other times, it's been indescribably good for you as well. A uh, mixed bag of emotions for both of you, I'm sure. So I want to thank you both. And we want to celebrate a life that, Dan, again, you've been sacrificial in giving us from day one. And we sat down at Red Rambler at the coffee shop, and you said, you want to plant a church? And I said, absolutely not. And you said, pray about it? And I said, sure. And then, you know, here we are eight years later. And... Um, Dan, is really, you've really orchestrated a lot of things in preparing this church to be where we are now. So, Dan, as you look here, this is your last Sunday. As you look here and look out, it's part of you. We say thank you for your obedience to God. Now, this isn't going to be a cry-your-heart-out moment, okay? And this isn't going to be a worship-a-pastor moment. But this is a time we thank God, and we celebrate God's generosity in sharing one of His ministers with us. Sometimes we take relationships for granted, and uh, we need to make sure we don't do that today. We need to be very thankful for what God has given us in a friend and a pastor, Dan and Stacy. And Dan, you asked me, and you said, please, 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 and I've been there, done this, so I understand. Don't make this a big deal. 
Okay, so we did it. We toned it down completely. We did get some balloons and some cookies and some candy back there. And we're going to talk about you for another five or ten minutes here. Um, but we're not going to do, you know, a big collage of pictures and a shrine for you because you said stop it. Okay, I understand. You hate it when we announce your birthday, but I never miss it on a Sunday to make sure the church knows, right? You just don't like that kind of attention, so I understand that. So we're going to try to properly thank you for being a servant of God and serving in this church. And um, I, I'm sure many of you could have stories, and this is what I'm going to ask. Instead of us parading up here in front sharing stories, I would love for you to make sure before you go today, and this goes for everybody. Now, if you're visiting with us, you don't know Dan, that's fine. But for those of you that do know Dan and you've been a part of his life, he's been a part of yours, do not leave today without a hug, a handshake, a look in the eye, and a genuine thank you. Feel free to share a moment with him. You don't have to rush off anywhere else. Lunch will hold. You can eat anytime you want. This is your last shot to tell somebody, a servant of God, how thankful you are for him. Maybe he's worked with your children. Maybe he's uh, come to visit you in the hospital. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we're talking on the phone. Oh, I'm on my way to the hospital or something. Uh, he's off to visit or something. Um, I, I, there's multiple times, uh, Dan, you have said stuff that have just really made me laugh. And I think most of you will say there's one thing you'll never forget about Dan, and that is his laugh, right? Uh, you'll know in a room. If you, you know, I've, I've been in different uh, places with Dan where we're at a convention, a clinic, or somewhere, and he's with me, and he just busts a gut and starts laughing, and everybody's like, whoa, who is that? It's like, it's just Dan. It's all right. Un, uh, indescribable laugh and unforgettable for sure. And uh, just, you know, and he says things, and, and, and we're both this way. We catch each other all the time. He's like, do you realize you said that? I'm like, oh, boy. But he said something last week, and we joked about this at staff meetings this past week. I said, Dan, how are you doing? Are you all set for your move? And he, he's like, yep. I've got all, I've, got, I've dotted and I've crossed all my P's and Q's. <laughs> I sent that one to Ken Kington, by the way, and I said, Ken, this is a real good one. And uh, if you remember when Ken was here, he talked about those kind of sayings. And we have them all the time, but Dan, that's one of my favorites. Um, there's times when we're in meetings or, or discussions, and Dan is quick to spit out statistics. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, oh, yeah, well, that's 75% of those people. Da -da. Or it's like, boom, it's like, Dan, how do you remember all this? Uh, there are just certain things that truly um, make me laugh. When you went to B-dubs and you tried to take down that hot sauce so you can get your picture on there with the kids. Uh, I was looking back at some of your pictures with pies in the face from Power Camp. Uh, looking back at a lot of those wonderful moments. Uh, some of you older junior high kids, you were a lot younger when you were putting uh, whipped cream in his face at power camp, and some of your younger kids are saying, hey, can we do that before we go? No, sorry. You missed that opportunity, but I did hear some of you threw water balloons at him this uh, past uh, month at GPS. So that was good. But we love all those moments, Dan, and those are great moments to celebrate. But we also know, too, and that along with those moments of joy with its weddings, that you've been at, that you've been a part of, uh, moments of salvation where you've seen people come to know the Lord, and, and even uh, events and, and uh, different workshops and worship where you've expressed joy. There's also the other side where it's been tough to be a pastor. Uh, it's been times of uh, criticism. And I want to share a story with you that, that I read 
And as I read this story, Dan, you're going to be able to completely relate to this. And it's not just going to be Dan, because there's going to be some of you out here that are in positions of leadership, and you're going to sit there and say, yeah, that's the way I feel too. So let me read this story to you. There's a police recruit who basically entered this. He entered the police academy uh, with incredible enthusiasm and determination to make a difference. Now, after weeks of training, however, the academy sort of sobered his passion some. He began to see the difficult work ahead of him as an officer, the challenges of enforcing the law, arresting criminals, serving a community 24-7. It wasn't as pretty as what he thought when he first started. And on the final day of class, the instructor stood in front of his young recruits. He felt compelled to give the cadets a challenge that they would never forget. He was going to test their wit and their courage with an impossible scenario. So this is what the police... Uh, officer said to the cadets. Imagine you're on duty downtown. You suddenly realize First National Bank is being robbed. Thieves begin pouring onto the street to make their getaway. But before you can respond, a woman across the street gets mugged. And she begins running after the mugger, screaming for help at the top of her lungs. Within seconds, a building one block away uh, catches fire, bursting into flames before the wide eyes of pedestrians and traffic. This causes a speeding driver in front of you to slam into a parked car, which hits a fire hydrant. Water is now spewing onto the streets everywhere. People running in pandemonium. The police officer looked at the class and said, how do you respond to this crisis? One by one, each recruit stood up, verbalized how they would handle the situation. Finally, they voted on one response and said that was the best response. We're going with that one. What was that response? Young gentleman stood up and said, remove uniform, mingle with the crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dan, can you relate to that? <laughs> Sometimes in ministry, we look around at all the things that need to get done, and we learn in ministry that there's always something going on. A counseling session, questions, complaints, anger, joy, hospital call, wedding, funeral, meetings, studies, uh, trips, training, unjam the printer, sweep the floor, uh, prepare a message. But no matter which direction you turn, you feel like you are abandoning 10 other people in need. That's our life, isn't it? And uh, you sit there and say, no matter which choice I make, I'll probably be praised by one and criticized by nine others. And that's how you feel sometimes, I'm sure, Dan. And in those times, it's easy to say, I quit, or I don't know what to do. But what we've learned in ministry is you dig in your heels, you get on your knees, you humbly go to God and ask for strength and wisdom, and then we do something. And we do something for God. Because we learn that we can't make everyone happy, and so we have an audience of one, and that is God. We live to please Him. And so in ministry, in leadership, Many of you have been there, you understand this, and that is you have an audience of one. You are not anybody's Savior. You point people to the Savior. And Dan, as you move forward in ministry, I want to encourage you, remember that story. Remember that as ministers of God's Word, we are not the Saviors. We point people to the Savior. You have an incredible ministry ahead of you of continuing to point people to an incredible Savior. And we know that God will be with you and encourage you through that time. <clears throat> Talk on it. I wasn't going to do this. 
Dan, as you move forward, could you come up here, please? Um, I want to encourage you um, with some scripture. I will share that I am mad at you, so. I told you I leave first before you, okay? You're not supposed to leave me. Um, Batman and Robin, Laurel and Hardy, I don't care. Pick somebody, but you've been a good friend to me and not just a brother in ministry. So, <clears throat> not a cry fest. Okay, here we go. We live in, uh, I want to read this, what Paul said, okay? And when I read this scripture, I thought of you. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. No one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we're true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, been put in prison. Not that part. Uh, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, and by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for the attack and left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us, we are honest, they call us imposters. We are ignored, even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We've been beaten, but we have not been killed. And Dan, this is the part that I, um, I want you to hear. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. When I read those words by Paul, I just think about the life of ministry, and so... Dan, I want to say thank you for being a minister of God, and uh, I'm not going to look at you. Um, that's good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's right, that's right. Um, but as, as a brother in Christ, as a partner in, in serving together, I want to thank you for what you've done to this church. I pray that every one of you come up here, make sure you take time to thank him. Um, Paul also had to say this, and so my charge to you is what Paul said there in enduring for him and continue to serve him. My charge to the church now concerning um, my brother Dan here is this. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and they give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect, wholehearted love because of their work, and live peaceably with each other my charge to you towards my brother and towards others who serve. Dan, I want to pray for you. Stacy, would you please come up here? Our elders, I'd ask you to come up here. Worship team, would you go ahead and come on up and prepare? I'm going to ask Jenny to come up. Um, elders, would your spouses come up too, please? We're just going to lay hands on Dan and Stacey and pray for them. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today, Lord, for the incredible blessings you give us. You are such a generous God to lavish upon us so much. Sometimes that generosity comes in the form of finances. Sometimes it comes in the form of spiritual riches. 
Sometimes it comes in the form of friendships and family. Well, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Dan and Stacy, for their family, for the love that they have had for this church, for you. They have an audience of one, and that's you. God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have been having here to be blessed by this relationship and leadership. Lord, I just ask that you now strengthen, encourage, and firmly, firmly walk with them, holding them strong as they move forward into their next step of ministry. That alone is an answer to prayer. That they don't walk out of here wandering aimlessly, but they walk out of here with purpose and intention of going to a place to serve you. Lord, I just ask that you encourage them now. Protect them. Keep them safe from the enemy who wants to derail and destroy all good things. Lord, we thank you again. We praise you for all that you have blessed us with through their ministry and their friendship. In thy precious name we pray, amen.